Universal Pictures, the blues are back. I'm getting the band back together. The last time they played anywhere, they were charged with grand larceny, felonious motor vehicle assault, and damages in excess of $20 million. And you are asking me if I want to join this band? I could show you all the moves. My God! This is Mighty Mac, the new lead singer in the band. I said, hey, 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 come on, You are listening to Don't Be That Guy, Got a Sequel and Remix. This is episode 320. I'm Mark, he's Mike. Time to get groovy. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's in reference to the news of a new Evil Dead movie coming out, but uh, 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 I, I saw something about, wow. I saw Bruce Campbell tweet something about that. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I, I, I think, I guess. Why not? What? You know? Yeah. Uh, here's what I saw today. It says, Bruce Campbell promises no more Cabin in the Woods along with new evil dead film. Huh. Well, you now, know. I heard after his show, after Ash the Evil Dead was canceled, Bruce Campbell said no longer being asked. Oh well, you know when you when you're when you got a guy when you when you're a guy you're a guy. He's returning. Let's see, yeah. And it had the official title was released recently, so it'll be called Evil Dead Rise. Huh. All right. That's that's coming out of my mouth. Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rise. Evil, evil. Oh, it's like I'm giving a command to the dead, like Dead Rise, but only the evil ones. The good dead, stay dead. Evil Dead Rise. Okay, so here, so this next paragraph, this is from CinemaBlend.com. So the movie. will not include, so this is, uh, at this point, Evil Dead Rise seems to be defined mostly by what it is not. It is not going to include Bruce Campbell's Ash Williams, and apparently won't be about a cabin in the woods, as both the original movie, the sequel, and the 2013 remake were. So Whether the movie is a remake, reboot, or sequel is far from clear. And we don't, so we don't know if Bruce Campbell's in it? Uh, we don't know if he's in it, but... He's the one who said hmm. that okay. it won't be about Kevin. I wonder if he's a producer. So he did the show for a couple seasons. I wonder if you know him and Sam Raimi are, are producers on the Evil Dead together, and so he, maybe he's working closely with this remake. Yeah, that could be. That could be interesting. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing more about that down the road. We'll see. You know, I didn't see the 2013 remake, but uh, I've heard good things. Yeah, the uh, preview for that remake just made me cringe. Yeah, it just looked so uh, yeah, intense. Yeah, and uh, we were kind of in this post uh, saw hostile world where I was just like, that looks too much. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's gonna be too too, too gory for my taste. As you know, I got a problem with body horror, and uh, th- that movie looked <laughs> like th- there might have been some body horror in it. It is body horror-ish, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not watching the 2018 remake of Astro's Evil Dead. What are you watching? Well, I had kind of a down week, but um, I watched a few things. Um, the first thing I'd like to mention is I, I checked out that new uh, HBO miniseries, Perry Mason. They kind of rebooted the Perry Mason franchise. Oh, you know, I saw some commercials for that. Yeah, so I watched the first episode was Sunday, and it, it's it, it's got me, it's got its hooks in me already. It's really Perry cool. Mason. That was that was Raymond Burr. Griffin. Raymond Burr. Okay, Raymond he was Burr. an elderly. He he's along the lines of a Matlock, though. He was like an elderly detective man. Yeah, not really. I mean, show that like uh, grandma's like. He wasn't. I, I think it. I think it comes off as a show that grandmas like because um, I think when we were kids, that show was on in the middle of the day as uh, a re- as reruns. But that 
and just because it was so old, right? Um, but I mean, it's got a. I think it was a TV show, and then I think there's a whole series of movies um, based on the character, um, starring Amy Burke. And uh, so I think, uh, and, and actually, I think Raymond, I think Perry Mason originally was a lawyer. Okay. Um, in the HBO show, he's a private uh, investigator. So they kind of uh, they kind of change things up a little bit, but and I and I've seen a handful of of the original Perry Mason stuff. I mean, that stuff ran for. I mean, the TV show is probably like late fifties to early sixties. Or, I mean, it probably ran for a decade, and then there's just, like, a pile of movies, too. So, um, Raymond Burr was not always elderly in, in that as that role. But, uh, in my mind, when I think Perry Mason, I was thinking of the show Diagnosis Murder. Okay, okay, yeah. Starring Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. I always thought, like, Matlock and Perry Mason came on back-to-back, and my mom would watch them. But it was uh, Matlock and Diagnosis Murder. You know, and at one point, all those shows were primetime shows. Yeah. But we remember them as afternoon. Ah, uh, shit. Yes. Saved by the Bell's not on today? What's this Perry Mason shit? Yeah. That kind of thing. But, yeah, so I uh, I, really, I really recommend, um, uh, yeah, checking that out if you can. And then uh, a couple movies. Um, watched a movie, 1958 Murder by Contract. Which is just an excellent film noir movie. It's action packed. Um, absolutely love it. Uh, I've seen it before. I think it was that was the second or third time I've seen it. Um, it's about a hitman. Um, super cool. Super cool ending. And then 1961 movie um, by the great Sam Fuller called Underworld USA, which is another like film noir, but it's a hard boiled. Uh, crime. I mean, it's intense. Good movie. Um, both those movies are, are really good. Uh, and then a new movie I watched. I uh, watched the 2020. I think he got a limited release. I'm not sure, but it's an Amazon original, The Vast of Night, which has been getting Vast. getting some uh, some props on you know the internets. And, it's not the Kevin Bacon movie, is it? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, the night. It is. It's kind of. It's got a kind of like a Stranger Things vibe. Okay. So a couple uh, couple teenagers, um, the actors never heard of, never seen them before. Um, it takes. I think it takes place in like the. Uh, gosh, I mean, one the, the one girl works out on like a telephone switchboard, like old school, moves cords around. Um, uh-huh. So it takes place in that kind of 50s-ish era. Um, and then the other character is a local radio show host. And it's just like this really cool, purist, sci-fi, mystery movie. Um, it's, it's really cool. And they really set the characters up well with this. The opening scene is, is extraordinary. And they, they kind of do this uh, long take thing that's real popular now. And uh, cool camera work, um, and the, it's kind of like set on like a Twilight Zoney premise, um, as as like like you, you go into the TV and you're in the show. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I really liked it. Uh, it's 2020, brand new movie. I I really think people should check it out, and and great runtime. I think it was an hour thirty. Like just oh, I like that runtime. Yeah, just a real a quick hitter. Um, but yeah, so that that's what I've I've watched this uh, last couple of weeks. What about you? Oh, I you know I got some movies in. Uh, I had some uh, my uh, my in laws were in town uh, for uh, just just a just a day visit and uh, decided to watch a movie. So started to throw on something you know family friendly, you know, please everybody. We watched uh, the 2019 film Rocket Man. The Elton John uh, bio, biopic, and um, that's that's just a fun movie. I like that it's a musical. It's very very uh, you know fantastical, uh, but yeah, it's fun. If you like Elton John songs, they sing a lot of them in there. And if you don't like Elton John songs, 
you're weird. Yeah, it, you know, it touches on more of of the trauma of Elden John without being like super heavy, like uh, you know, I, I think it being a musical, just you know, it's it's light. Old people seem to enjoy it. They 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 come away saying, "Oh, I didn't know that about Elton John. I didn't know he did drugs." I was like, well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why you gotta watch the movie. Uh, so we watch that. Um, Through on another, just kind of, you know, th- th- this will this will please everybody. Um, watch 2015's uh, The Martian. That's a fun. That's a fun movie. Yeah, that really is a good. Little movie. long, little long for me, but uh, that was my first time rewatching it since it came out, and uh, it's enjoyable. Yeah, yeah so, and watch. you know, I've uh, I think I've read the book three times, uh-huh. and I've only seen the movie once, yeah. which is, I mean, the movie does really. It's a, a pretty good adaptation of the book. I should just watch it and just read the book again. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you got two hours and five minutes. Four hours, or if I sat down and read it on which I'm not. Oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Unless magazines count. Uh, I watched Martian. Watched, um, I wanted to watch a company. I don't watch some quick. This is a movie. I watched it one time. I was like, oh, this was it. This was funny, right? I watched it in 2007. That's a silly movie. That is a silly it's, movie, yeah. It is funny. I was surprised. How high of a rating it's sitting on Rotten Tomatoes at a seventy-five percent, um, but you know, good for it. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think comedies, especially that type of comedies, are rated that high because I didn't think this was anything like crazy different from any of those other John C. Riley like Talladega Nights or anything. But uh, it's silly. It's fun though. I think, I think the credibility of that movie is with the music itself. Yeah. Uh, because the, the the songs are all really well written written and and performed. Um, you know, so I thought of that I, I, as I went in, I was like, oh yeah, but the songs are really good. And they're a little maybe early on. I just like, oh, they're they're kind of they're kind of just repetitive, except for um, it's like the whatever the the joke of the song is. It, it's just like he repeats that line over and over again to, until he writes the uh, the you know the, the titular hard. Uh, yeah, I just um, you know I'm I know, I'm coming off the high of Rocket Man. Yeah, and, I mean uh, I think it's John C. Riley's no Elton John. I think it's I like the music in that because yeah. of the way they're able to emulate certain genres and styles and artists. Yeah, when he does the Bob Dylan phase, that right. that is probably the funniest I've la- I laughed during the movie of of the musical things, but because uh, I just thought it was so like the lyrics were were so funny for the for the uh, for the bot when he goes through his Bob Dylan phase, and I, and uh, I, I think this this shows a lot of uh, musical creativity to do that yeah. and not just come off as a Weird Al. I'm not discrediting Weird Al because that guy is a, a really fantastic musician, but yeah. but to be able to kind of like do a style with original music and perform it in that way. Um, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It is a silly movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely funny. It, it, yeah. it was, it was, it was a good, it was a good revisit. Uh, and uh, Tim Meadows makes me laugh in that movie. Every time he comes on with the same bit about Dewey drugs, it just, I laugh every time. It's just like, you don't want no part of this Dewey. And, and then it, he explains how, how it, good marijuana is. Isn't there an ongoing thing with Dewey like ripping urinals off the wall or something? Uh, sinks. Sinks. Yeah, when he gets mad, and then it, you know, it, and then it ends. So yeah, it is a great running gag of you know him getting mad and, and ripping a sink off the wall, and then it ends, uh, you know, and then it, it builds to him going into a public restroom and it's just lined with sinks. Yeah. <laughs> and then him just ripping them all off the wall. So yeah, funny movie. John C. Riley should do more. He should star in more things. You know. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't be the guy. done a, a ton lately. Um, so, yeah, I watched that. Um, this was kind of an impulse buy. I actually bought this movie, and this was a movie, I, I bought it based on price and based on the cover. It was $7. It was it was a 4K movie, so I was like, that seems like a good price for a 4K. It starred Steven Yoon from The Walking Dead and Samara Weaver. I really like Ready or Not. The movie's called Mayhem, and on the cover, it's described as, the, as Office Space meets The Purge. Uh, okay. Okay. It, it's, a, it, it, it's another fun watch. If it wasn't $7, I'd 
um, maybe I'd be a little more disappointed. If I would have paid a full Blu-ray price of $20, I would have been like, ah. But if this ever shows up on streaming, I, I highly recommend this movie. Or if you find it at Walmart for 7 bucks, pick it up. Of course, yeah, it, it's a guy. He works a, a stressful corporate job. He gets fired, uh, kind of unjustly gets fired the same day that his building gets quarantined because the it happened, uh, the, the employees get struck with a rage virus that causes people to act out like their their impulses, and from there it's just, it turns into like a video game mode. So he's you know he starts on the ground floor because he's being escorted out by security, and then he works his way all the way up the corporate ladder. I think it's a metaphor in the movie uh, to get to you know the decision makers, you know the the the, the board who uh, he's trying to convince they shouldn't fire him. Right. Okay. Uh, it's super violent. It, it, it's very fast paced. You know, it's very kind of has like a speed metal feel to it because uh, you know, they're all on this virus, this rage virus that just you know makes people kind of act, act crazy. But it's fun. And, you know, it, so it's considered a, a it's a horror comedy. Uh, you know, office space needs to purge. But yeah, check out Mayhem. I think it's like 2017. Uh, this movie is now streaming on Hulu. Uh, I watched uh, The Host, Bong Joon Ho's uh, 2006 uh, monster movie. It's on. Uh, it's on Hulu. All right. It's it's good. You know, it's um, it it, it it's a sea monster movie, but uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I've I've been wanting to check that one out for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so now it's now streaming. So, um, it's no parasite, you know. If, if if you twist my arm and have me rank the the Bong Joon Ho films I've seen, I like Parasite more, but it's uh, this is still very good. Um, How does it compare to like uh, Snowpiercer? Oh, you know, I didn't even consider Snowpiercer. I think watching. So I, I after seeing Parasite, Okja, the host, thinking back to Snowpiercer, I think Bong Joon, I think he's a guy who got who gets better with every movie. So yeah, you kind of air, air releases is probably how I would rank. And that's kind of cool to see him kind of develop. Yeah, I might switch Okja and Snowpiercer, but yeah, if I had to rank him, it'd be Parasite one, Snowpiercer two, Okja, and then the host four. But I mean, all really good movies. Uh, so yeah, saw all that, and then uh, oh, one one more movie, uh, new movie, twenty twenty. It's a Netflix release. It's Spike Lee's uh, uh, The Five Bloods. Uh, check that one out. Um, day it was released, and uh, I really liked it. It was kind of it's a you know it's a Spike Lee movie, and it has something to say, but it's uh, kind of like Spike Lee meets Triple Frontier. It's about it's the story of these five Vietnam vets or who return in twenty twenty, you know, the same year movie comes out who return back to Vietnam to get the remains of um, their squad leader and also dig up some buried treasure that they had uh, lost in Vietnam. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, kind of, kind of fun movie. It's got, um, uh, uh, who's the guy? Uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, who just has one of those faces. You see him in everything. And then uh, the guy who plays Clay Davis uh, from the is in it. Um, yeah. I enjoy it. It's kind of yeah, old, it, it's Spike Lee meets Triple Frontier meets Grumpy Old Men. Sounds like, a, like some uh, Three Kings in there too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of has a Three Kings vibe. You know, yeah, these soldiers, you know, going through you know, the land and uh, yeah, for, for riches. And is that the one? It's it's. Uh, I think I saw the on Netflix like that. Their little like advertising. Is it Da uh, Five Bloods? Like D A. Duh yeah, five, yeah, yeah. Uh, the five bloods. Five bloods. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which I, I, I said the, but I was like, oh, maybe if I say it fast enough, people will, you know. But if you, if you do it up on Netflix, it is DA5, and you can either type five or spell out five. I think you'll get a return either way. And then, of course, bloods is your traditional spelling of bloods. Right, yeah, yeah. No, no mm. E. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no e in there. Yeah, they, they don't try to sneak any extra letters in there. Uh, just your, your standard, your standard blood. Um, yeah, so that's what I watch. It was, yeah, I think, a solid uh, week, two weeks of, of watching movies. You know, yeah, good, good variety you in there. Some time in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of time, we watched another movie um, that time stamps itself because it, it, it throws on a, it, it stamps on a two thousand. 
uh, lets you know that's about the time you're watching this movie. Although I guess unless you're watching 2001: Space Odyssey, because that's um, that's from the 70s. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and they mess around with it. I guess this movie's not as egregious as 2001: Space Odyssey because this movie comes out in 1998. We watched uh, 1998 Blues Brothers 2000s, which is the sequel to. Uh, 1980s The Blues Brothers. It's a musical comedy film directed by John Landis, starring John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Um, they play Jake and Elwood Blue. Uh, characters created on SNL. Uh, they, they, get, they get a movie, uh, the movie treatment, and it's the tale of the, Blue bro- the Blues Brothers uh, who go on a mission to raise money to pay for... Um, to save their orphanage. Um, this movie kind of came uh, on our radar because, Mike, you'd recently just uh, came into this movie. Uh, you were gifted this movie, so I take it you watched The Blues Brothers pretty recently. I did, yeah, only like a couple weeks ago, yeah. And, and I don't think we got your opinion on it because I think we were going to do the movie, but what are your thoughts on The Blues Brothers? Oh, I love it. I love it. It's one of my, going back to when I was a kid, one of my favorites to always just pop on probably once, a, once every two years or something like that. Yeah, I uh, so this was a movie. Younger me, I I just would have said I I don't get it. Like it's just not. For, I I don't get the Blues Brothers. Like, I I don't see the humor in it. But then uh, as I got older, like it, it's finally just like a movie like I get. Uh-huh. Uh, and so yeah, definitely older me appreciates this more than younger me, who probably would have been like, oh, Coneheads is the better Dan Aykroyd <laughs> SNL film. You know, and I and I think I'm with I'm with you on that too. I mean, I've always liked it. But like when mm-hmm. I was when I first saw it when I was like ten or whenever, like I was just really into the scene where they they did rawhide, you know, and yes, and so like that was my thing. And then I like oh they did this great thing. And then you know the older I get, the more things I notice in it, and and the more I do appreciate the movie and and, and what it is. So I I think you're right. It, it's the same for me on that. Yeah. Um. So, uh, let's, let's talk a little more about the Blues Brothers 2000. Uh, let's see. I've got to scroll down here a bit. I wanted to see their box office release. So, uh, get based off of uh, an SNL. What? How familiar are you with SNL Blues Brothers? None. I, they, I don't okay. know any of that. I've, I've I don't think they it. had sketches. I think. I, I don't know how they're involved. I, I I know they appeared on SNL, but I think they just performed musical numbers. I don't think they, I don't think it was like Codeheads where it was a sketch, like a Blues Brothers sketch. Okay. Um, and apparently, uh, Belushi and Aykroyd. So the Blues Brothers is a real band, and um, I don't know if that came after the film or not, but uh, they would they they would travel uh, and do shows as the Blues Brothers. Huh. Uh, the film is. Uh, well, Critics has an 84 pound on tomato, certified fresh. Um, it was the. Oh, let's see. I'm trying to. Oh, see, this is. Uh, this doesn't give me. Oh, here we go. Okay. It was the 10th highest grossing film in 1980. Uh, so, you know, pretty successful there. So, of course, 18 years later, we're due for a remake. And as I said, we got older, we kind of appreciate it more. We were probably. 1998. I was probably still in my I Don't Get the Blues Brothers phase, but I'm sure Mike. 1998, you were you were chomping for the bits for a sequel. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh... Like around that time, that's when it clicked for you, you know. And then you're like, okay, I I actually get the movie now. <laughs> Let's see what they're up to. Uh, when did uh... Uh, first? Can we let's talk yeah. about the title of this movie? Okay, this movie came out in 1998. Yes. Like, who did these guys think they were? Who to even think that 2000 would even come? You know what I mean? I uh oh yeah, they were just so confident <laughs> that they were gonna see it. You know there there is a scene in this movie uh, where I go, when is this supposed to take place? And I was like, oh, I guess it's in the title. But I was like, well, is, does the title actually refer to the year it's supposed to be? I have no clue. I, I want no to, before we start talking about the film, I want to see when John Belushi died. Um, he died in 1982. He dies two years after the Blues Brothers. Why in 1998 it was decided we needed some, uh, we needed to return without, um, 
uh, dare I say, the more charismatic member of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, it's not like it was uh, the 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 twenty year anniversary of his death, or or the ten year anniversary of his death. Wasn't the twenty year anniversary of the, the movie. movie? Yeah, I mean, it was eighteen years. Like why? And I feel like around this time there was a lot of this or that two thousand something something two thousand. Well, um, so as we mentioned, we we had um, the previously mentioned two thousand one, a space odyssey. Come on, come on, much of the year. I do remember Dracula two thousand. With Omar Epps. Yeah, I feel like the like the late nineties and and like two thousand like the, the, it was titling things with the two thousand tag was was kind of a trendy thing to do. Did we have a, a People, Power Man two thousand? I think that was wasn't that. I think they're five thousand, but yeah, I mean it's still it's still you know. Oh, he's even better then. Yeah. <laughs> But, but you know what I mean? Like I feel like yeah. people were just tagging things like to get on that millennium, uh, the new millennium thing. And uh, oh sure, we had uh, I mean we had the Willennium. We had I mean the Backstreet Boys released an album called Millennium, I think, or had a song called Millennium. I mean yeah, the Millennium was for those so those of our newer listeners, maybe those who were born after the Millennium, whose birthdays start with two thousand. The from ni- that was a big deal, the millennium. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things referencing it. I mean, you have the Blues Brothers was referencing 2000s. Bands were doing it. Songs were doing it. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, watching pro wrestling. There, there was a wrestler who debuted, and his whole gimmick was that it was the year 2000. And he debuted in, like, August. <laughs> he had, like, a countdown clock to, like, the millennium. And it, was, it, it went off in, like, August. And then there was the whole Y2K scare. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Y2, and then nothing happened with Y2K, and yeah. uh, we just moved on. But yeah, 2000, the 2000s were very hot. So, of course, the Blues Brothers, not only do they say, we have to jump on this 18 years later after the movie, 16 years later after the death of uh, John Belushi, uh, but we also have to jump on the millennium and people's love of blues music. Yeah, yeah, it was. So we get late, the Blues Brothers 2000. Late 90s, blues were hot. Yeah, uh, so it is a it's it's considered a musical comedy. Uh, we return John Landis and Dan Aykroyd. Um, Dan Aykroyd's Elwood Blues, uh, Blue. Is it blues or blues? Blue. Yeah, there's the blues, blues Brothers. Blues with an S. Yeah, I think it's. Blues, I think that, yeah. yeah. Elwood Blues is uh, released from prison after the events of uh, the first movie. Uh, he learns that his brother Jake had, had passed away, and now he is on a mission to put together a band, and is he saving something in this? Um, he finds out that the orphanage that they tried to save, it ended up closing anyways. Um, everyone he loved is dead, and now he's just traveling around. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure what the plot of this movie. I don't think there was like anything like the like they needed to earn the money like um, to to pay off the taxes, right? Like the the first movie, I I yeah, I'm not sure what yeah what the the plot device was in this. Elwood is putting together the band again, and he is in trouble with the law, and he's on the run, and along the way they're performing musical numbers. Um, that's the Blues Brothers. Is this your first time watching the Blues Brothers 2000? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, going into this movie, did you have any uh, idea about this movie? What, what, what do you remember? What was your like your opinion of the film? I the overall reputation of the movie. I the rep, I thought it had a poor reputation, and it kind of was a forgotten thing. Um, uh-huh. I, I don't even remember seeing, like, a movie poster for this, like, at my local theater or anything like that when I was in high school. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure when this hit the theater, so I may not have been in the town with a movie theater. But uh. I, I do, like, in my, my, my whole thought going into this movie was, what's up with John Goodman in this? Because I, I knew he was in it, and, right. you know, we just watched, you know, the Jesus Rolls, and so I rewatched Lebowski, and, and yep. he's just so good in Lebowski, 
And I've always liked John Goodman. Um, and I'm like, so, and so that was my cu big curiosity. What, what, what was John Goodman's part in this movie? Did he take over the, the right? Was he playing? Yeah, John John Belushi's character or what? So that was my big question. I wanted answered. As I mentioned, I, I didn't get the Blues Brothers early on. 1988, I probably saw a commercial this movie. I go, I didn't like the Blues Brothers. I'm not going to like this movie. And then life moved on, and I never heard anyone tell me I needed to see the Blues Brothers 2000. Right. I feel like it doesn't even show up on a list of, like, really bad – you know, we, we do a podcast called Sequels and Remakes. I'll, I'll peruse a list every now and then. I don't even feel like this movie shows up on, like, the worst sequels and remakes of all time. I just feel like it was a forgotten movie. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it just merely exists. Yeah. Um, well, we were able to find it because it does exist. It, it is a real movie. You are able to rent this movie uh, or, or own it, I, I guess, maybe. Um I don't know if they just throw it onto your uh, your your Blues Brothers release they got under the special features they just cram this in there. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, no, we we rented this movie, so uh, we'll just start thinking. What did you like about the Blues Brothers 2000? What, what were the pros? I they they really dived into the music. Um, it, it's it's far more of a musical than the original, I think. Yeah, so I, I did what I what I tend to do from time to time, and I watch these out of order. And rewatching this one first, I was like, oh, is there way more music in the first one that I just don't remember? And there's not. No, this this, this they, they they fill a lot of songs in here. Yeah, this this is a, a ton of songs. Yeah, ton of ton of music scenes. Yeah. And so that for me that was a plus because I. I like musicals and and I love you know this kind of music, blues and R and B and and gospel and stuff. So I knew I'd get a lot of that. Yeah, um, yeah. The music was a I I you know I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the soundtrack. I actually watched the credits pretty much all the way through. The only, I mean, in, in in this movie, they are they are part of the feature. Yeah. So I just kept it going. I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm not gonna turn this off right away. Um. Yeah. So this movie. So okay, we lose uh, John Belushi. They do fill his role with John Goodman. Uh, they add a uh, half brother played by uh, Joe Morton. Um, who is a guy that I go, where did I know that guy from? And it turns out it's Terminator 2. It's the guy from Terminator 2. Um, they had a they had a, a very tiny kid to it, which, you know me, I'm always leery about a child actor. Um, yeah, they, they definitely try to, I guess you can't feel uh, John Belushi. You, you need three guys to do it, or two and a half men to do it. <laughs> it is big shoes to fill. Yeah. For a guy with uh, what, such a short career, big shoes to yeah. fill. Yeah. Um, what did it work with, with uh, Blues Brothers 2000? Uh, really, the whole timing of the movie and and what I mean, he gets out of prison, he starts rounding people up, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, he works at the guy's like strip club now. How long was he there? There's just a lot of weird uh, uh, inconsistencies with where we are in the story, and it and... does make it seem. There, there is almost a, a feeling that he goes to the, the strip club, he's performing the same day, and then the next day, like, the adventure starts. Right, yeah. But there needed to be enough time for him to be there, to get on stage, for him to find out John Goodman, you know, owe the favor to John Goodman, for them to do the whole thing with the Russians, then for the Russians to come back and get their revenge. It's Yeah, the timeline is very uh, – it's, it's not neatly laid out. Right, right. Yeah. Um. I mentioned it, but um, I don't think that child actor was strong. I think he was probably uh, cast based on his dancing ability more than his acting ability. You know, I thought so too. I, I think, I, I think he was, I think he did what they asked him to do, uh -huh. um, which was not really anything but dance and, and stand there. Yeah, like he really, what he had like maybe twenty lines the whole movie. Yeah, uh, sounds fun. Yeah, I mean that. For me, it's like, nah, it's fine. 
I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't bad, but it, it wasn't good. Like, yeah. But then, so, you can dance, that's why he was uh, cast. Then, at least another thing I hated. Anytime the Blues Brothers dance. I, I just, I did not like it. I did not like it. Anytime they cut to them, moving. A lot of choreography in this movie. Yeah, too much. Um, and, they, and they do the choreography, but they go, well, obviously, John and Dan Aykroyd cannot dance, so we're just going to do that weird old man white guy choreography yeah. of them just kind of walking and, like, putting their arms out. I was like, why do we cut back to this over and over and over and over again? Just, uh, just show me Aretha Franklin singing and people in the car dealership dancing. Stop cutting. I, I get it. They're the stars of the film. We cannot show them for about five minutes. It's fine. You know, and I think, like, there were some of that weird little put their arms out, you know, uh, shimmy from left to right. Yeah. Um, I I, I like it in small bits. Like, there was small, like, in the original, like, with the scene with Aretha Franklin, there's some small bits of of Dan and and John Belushi doing that. Um, but they just kind of did take it over the top in this movie. Because uh-huh. um, I don't mind bad dancing. I mean, to me, that's part of the shtick of, the, of it, is like, you know, they're, they're, they're performers and maybe not, be, it's not their strong suit, you know? And on stage, there's, there's plenty of musical acts that are bad dancers, but they do it anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I I think there was too much of it in this. Yeah, I, I would I would have preferred more of a just straight music concert in these these things. Like, yeah, just let Aretha do her show. Yeah, but but then but then you just then it's not a movie, I guess. You know, at that point. Yeah, I guess then we're just watching Aretha Franklin <laughs> yeah, sing. Yeah. Uh, so well, then this brings me to another thing. I don't uh, didn't work for me. You're, the original Blue Brother, maybe not great dancers, but what you had was Jim Belushi and his high energy. And I felt like what works is that he's kind of, uh, you know, he, he's Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd's the straight man. And then you bring in John Goodman, and I just feel like everyone in the movies, all, all the Blues Brothers are, are now the straight men. It, yeah, that's a good point. We don't have the, yeah. the wild card anymore. Yeah, they're all... And then they bring in the other brother, Joe Morton's uh, 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 character, and then the kid, and it's just like they're all Elwood Blues, and you don't have a Jake Blues. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just was really. Would this movie have been better if John Goodman played Walter from The Big Lebowski? <laughs> but also had had a love of blues. It, yeah, you know, it, it maybe not the character Walter, but maybe that kind of crazy guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think we needed a different energy from John Goodman because it did feel like, yeah, John Goodman, Dan Aykroyd, Joe Morton at the end when he joins the band. And really, once he joins the band, he doesn't really say anything. It just kind of feels like we we needed we need a little variety of characters. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. They were, they were they were all just kind of this vanilla straight guy thing. Um, and then well, even even even, that... even when uh, the the police guy Joe Morton's character like you. I thought he was gonna, yeah, he's gonna break out and be and be the, the cool guy in the band, you know, because he was uh-huh. he was so resistant of it. But yeah, he just ended up being another one of them. Yeah, and you know, and then he spends the you know, the last half of the movie uh, or uh, the, the once he joins the band, really he joins the band, he gets turned to a zombie. You know, not his fault, but because uh, <laughs> that's the thing that happens in this movie. That was crazy. <laughs> it, so that. To me, that was one of the craziest things I'd seen in a movie, but it was so crazy, and what they did to make them into zombies was so bad, just green paint. They just spray-painted them green, Yeah. that I loved it. I absolutely loved it. She snaps her fingers, and now they're green, so they're zombies? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe more voodoo zombie, you know, than... than... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, along the line, you know, uh, kind of. So this movie seems a little more. Um, uh, I don't know, with the zombies or uh, Joe Morton like flying into the sky once he you know he he feels the his calling. Uh, I guess this movie's a little more. Um, 
like kind of more fantasy based, or you know, there's a little more fantasy in it. Yeah, a little more supernatural. So yeah, um, one thing I did like there is a sight gag in the movie, uh, and it did make me laugh. Uh, you know, I want to say I didn't enjoy any of this. Is uh, when they are sneaking into the bluegrass festival. And Dan Aykroyd is in the dashboard. Yeah. <laughs> that the sight gag of him pulling down the ashtray to reveal Dan Aykroyd's chin. Yeah, uh, is funny. It makes me think like, how's he in there? <laughs> you you trying to you trying to figure out the the physics of that? <laughs> yeah. Um, with this movie, so we we had John Candy. Um, would this movie be better with Jim Belushi? No, Jim Belushi sucks, dude. Like, so, I, I've never liked Jim Belushi. Yeah. <laughs> After the death of uh, John Belushi, Jim uh, actually joins the Blues Brothers, and him and Dan Aykroyd take this uh, show on the road as, as the Blues Brothers. Uh, the original pitch for the movie was to have Elwood, uh, John Goodman's character Mighty Mac, and Jim Belushi's character Brother Z. Uh, the three of them uh, would be the stars of the film, and uh, then they go and try to raise money to refurbish their old orphanage. Um, essentially the same story as the first, but now you add John Goodman and uh, Jim Belushi. Uh, Jim Belushi could not do it due to a scheduling conflict. What could he have possibly been doing in 1998? According to Jim? Was that still running? I don't think so. I'm not sure it started yet. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Let's see. Let's, let's look up Jim Belushi. Well, the the, the was he in the principal? The principal too? Uh, gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> Jim Belushi. Uh, he is an actor. That is, you, know, you can't can't dispute that. No, no, you can't. All right, let's scroll down here a bit. Let's check out. Um, he was a voice on Hey Arnold from 1996 to 1999. Oh yeah, well when you're doing voiceover, like yeah, it's it's hard to schedule a movie. Yeah, <laughs> he was also a voice on All Real Monsters. He he, you know, he had a little Nickelodeon run. I mean, the guy's got a voice; it's distinct. I'll give him that. <laughs> All right, so that's okay. About the time this probably would have been filming. Uh. I mean, he's doing. I mean, he's in Jingle All the Way. He's in. Uh, he does an episode of The Tick, the TV show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know why he couldn't have done this movie. <laughs> he was in Gang Related as a detective. He was in Wag the Dog. Well, maybe his conflict was not related to work. Yeah. He. Apparently, there was a Blues Brothers animated series where he voices Jake. You know, I feel like I may have seen uh, an episode of that. I'm not sure. (laughs) When does, uh, then, when does According to Jim? Doesn't even exist. According to Jim, ran from 2001 to 2009. Wow, that show ran for eight seasons. You know, maybe maybe he got it. He's like, oh, Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, I'm starting. According to Jim, in two years, uh, we start yeah. shooting, so I can't do it. I'm sorry. So he was thrown off by the title too. People don't realize this. So Jim Belushi is uh, very meticulous. He actually wrote out all eight seasons of According to Jim. <laughs> so he was working on that before uh, before they started filming. That show was on eight years. He wanted to make sure that Man. all the story arcs made sense. It was it was very lost esque in that something that he said in season one pays off in season <laughs> eight. Um, so I, one thing I, I'll tell you, Mark. Uh, one one of the things they did in two thousand, which I really appreciate, mm-hmm. was doing another epic police car scene. Oh yeah. I, I have so so uh, anybody who's seen the Blues Brothers knows that there's a epic police car crash scene as Mike has just said, where a hundred and three cars were wrecked during the filming of that scene. So in Blues Brothers 2000, um, they do another epic police car crash scene where they wreck a hundred and four cars. One more car. 
the most cars ever wrecked in a movie. They hold the record. Wow. Well, I should say held the record. So the original previous record holder was the Blues Brothers, 1980s. In 18 years, no one else had decided thought it important to wreck 104 cars until Blue Brothers 2018. That's something Dan Aykroyd said we absolutely must do. We have to break our own record. So they do 104. Then 2009 rolls around and a movie called G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra comes and says one thing we got to have in this movie outside of The Rock and Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, as Cobra Commander is we got to wreck 112 cars. Oh, man, they had to break the record by eight, not just one. Yeah, not just one. Eight extra cars. <laughs> it, uh, so currently, uh, based on IMDb trivia, the record for most cars wrecked in a movie is G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I think I'm going to jump ahead and say, do we need another one? Yeah, because we need to re-break this record, Mark. <laughs> if for no other reason we need a blues brothers 3000 which comes out in 2025 where they wreck 113 cars oh man yeah i mean no. both those like in both they just keep going and i think it goes a little longer in the original like how long like time wise these cars are wrecking and and i feel like it in 2000 it's like a, a 15 second scene where they just pile them up um, yes, yeah, but, definitely. But it's just so ridiculous, and it, it, to me, it's just it's funny. Yeah, we we, we kind of spent a lot of time of, of why this movie kind of was made. So there's no Jim Belushi. It's 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 a it's 18 years later, so it's not even 20 years later. They call it 2000. I don't know if Dan Aykroyd was so hot in 1998 that they just had to get this movie out now. Um, and then there's the blues part of it. But they decided to make the movie. Apparently, in making the movie, both Dan Aykroyd and John Landis hated the script and felt the movie was going to be a failure. Which is going to ask, why did why is this why does this movie exist? Contracts, man. Yeah. So, but I, I fear Dan Aykroyd would have some sort of say in it. But does he just get in? He he gets into it and it just snowballs on him. And yeah, I mean. You know, he, he has the Blues Brothers and he has, you know, Conehead. So he's got, he's got a couple SNL-related things. I wonder if there's some sort of contract in there or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ghostbusters was in that era. Um, maybe he just had a, a picture deal. He had, to, he had to do it. I don't know. And they So both Landis and, and Agrod are credited as writers in this movie. And so you know, I went, it's something... They sign on to do it, and then the movie just gets taken from them. I mean, because then Landis not only writes, he, he directs. And still comes out and says, oh, this movie's going to suck. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just interesting to see you know the star and then the writer-director both be like, this is, in, this is not good. Yeah. That, that, that's true. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the studio did push for it to be a PG-13 release, uh, as opposed to the ra- uh, R rating. Uh, and did push to make it more uh, aimed towards kids, which I think is why we get a buster in it, and um, which just seems like a failure on the studio's part. If there's one thing I know about kids, it's they do not like blues music. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you just don't get it. Yeah, you know, coming from a kid who watched the movie, I was, I was like, I don't get this, except for Rawhide. Rawhide was cool then, it's cool now. Yep. And it's not blues. It's really, yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't the blues part. I liked kind of that country western and him uh, with the bullwhip. Yep. <laughs> That's what I liked about Rob. He just happens to see it oh, hanging on the wall. This movie's going to turn into Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, just kind of a, a recipe for disaster. To your, your writer, your director, your star aren't happy with the script. You're aiming it towards kids, which is an R-rated comedy from the 80s that, you know, from a sketch no one saw. It just, I don't see how they were... I don't know what they were expecting from Blues Brothers 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty cool that, you know, the character that is playing uh, Cab Calloway's character's kid was named yeah. Cable, Cab for short. I thought that was pretty yes, cool yeah. that they did that. I mean, really, this, uh, yeah, nice there. this movie does pay a lot of really cool uh, homage and, and reference to to that musical generation 
and I'm and like this is I this is the kind of music I listen to all the time, so I'm really into it. But I mean, this movie is not good. But if you can get to the end of this movie, the the battle of the band scene is so freaking awesome. Like if you can just get to the end. Yeah, this movie, you know, and Gary said this movie is better heard than watched. Yes. It's a much better soundtrack. Like the the music in this movie is really good. And yeah, the when they do the showdown between the where the, or the, the Louisiana Gator Boys or whatever they're yeah. called, this essentially super group of um, legends. Yeah, uh, Isaac Hayes is there. Travis Tritt shows up. Uh, I mean, really, the end credits of this movie, and they just run down everybody who's in this movie. You kind of see that Dan Aykroyd, at least from that standpoint, does um, care a lot about this genre. I mean, he's in, he, he travels as a blues brother. Um, but yeah, it does seem like a lot of time. And, and the people who are in it, I, I feel like the Blues brother, the Brothers movie is probably something important that all these people would show up for it. Yeah, I mean, I think given the opportunity, like anyone, any one of those guys just says, "Yeah, I'm there." Yeah, you know. Yeah, well, I, I get to be in a sequel to the Blues yeah, Brothers. It yeah. costs them a day out of their of their year, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, he had to put up with Paul Schaefer being crazy, but Paul Schaefer's always crazy. Yeah. Um, one one cameo I was a little disappointed in. I mean, it was, it was a great cameo as far as just music goes but in the opening credits uh you just see the the um you know who, who's all in the film and you know so you see bb king aretha franklin james brown and then just blues traveler oh he, he did and then he doesn't get john popper credit it's just blues traveler no yeah so he shows up and it's john popper you go is john popper just credited as blues traveler that's awesome. And then it cuts to the entire band. Yeah. So I think they just lumped them all together. But uh, a little disappointed John Popper wasn't just credited as Blues Traveler. Um, oh, so we, we got to ask, would you like to see a sequel to this movie? Do, do you want to see a continuation of, of Elwood and Mac and Cab and Buster doing uh, doing more blues in twenty? You know, you, you can set this movie whenever you want. Um, I, I, I don't unless we get a promise of a record-breaking car smash. Like I said, yeah, like I I said before. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I, I don't, I don't want to see any more Blues Brothers. Was it, was it your belief that this movie takes place in the year 2000? Uh, Do they address that at all? Do they say how long he spent in prison? I had thought he said it's been 18 years. Right. So, okay, it would have been the actual time between releases of film, which would have put this movie in 1990. Right. Yeah, I was I was confused from the get-go when it when it popped up on my music or on my TV as is 1998. I mean, I was instantly confused because I thought for sure this movie came out in 2000 just by the title. But the, the scene I, I was very – I had to ask myself, when does this movie take place? Uh, was in the, the, the strip club where Mac's performing and uh, I think for the first time and they bring all those shippers and I was like, why do all these women look like they're from the 80s and it's the year 2000? And also, what kind of club is this <laughs> where the main attraction is John Goodman singing blues? A blue, a blues club with some scantle, da- scantle dancers. Yeah, yeah, less strip club, yeah. more, more blues club with, with with a with a stage. And John Goodman was the bartender. So yeah, I'm surprised he never showed off those chops. Yeah, before. like what took him so long? Yeah. Uh. You know, makes you makes you want that the owner of said club, not a good, um, doesn't have a good eye for talent. I mean, he had him he had him at the bar the whole time. Uh, would would you like to see? Would you con- to condone? Would would, would you would, would you say not on my watch to this movie or the original movie ever being remade? Uh, I would not be opposed to okay. a remake of the blues brothers yeah because the movie for me is about the music and if they can get 
the cast right and license the right songs, it would be cool. I mean, like, you know, half the guys that are in the end of this movie are, are have passed away within the last like ten mm. years. Uh, you know, like B BB's gone, uh, Doctor John James, James Brown. Brown, Doctor John's gone, Aretha Aretha Franklin's she, she, passed, she, I she believe. just passed like with like within yeah. a year. Um, Isaac Hayes. Uh, yeah, Isaac Hayes. Uh, I think Steve Cropper's still alive. But there's, like, you know, but there's a lot of these guys that are, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of this really great music that that no one knows about, and maybe it's just me being a weird kind of music nerd. But it would be tough. I I don't think that this movie's so untouchable, or the characters are so iconic that it could only be Dan Aykroyd or. or... Domination. Right, yeah, I, I agree with I that, absolutely. You could just say to the people, I think they would have to get very creative with how they did the movie because you couldn't do the cameos. Just, as you said, a lot of those people just yeah. aren't around. Yeah. Yeah. You you would have to do it, maybe maybe you do do a movie where you remake it and it's people rediscovering it, in, or, you know, or you get people to play, you know, these the legendary blues people, and it is just kind of a, you, you find a, you make it more of a musical, yeah. And it's the Blues Brothers traveling across the world, and it's just playing, the, playing the, these these songs. And that's the best part of the movie. It, it, it's every time there's a musical number, I was like, I dig this. I like this. Yeah, it's it's good. The music is good. It's performed well, yeah. and yeah, the dancing's a little cheesy, but yeah, it keeps it keeps some you know motion on the screen. Yeah. They had the kid there. Just just uh, put the camera on the kid and the backup dancers. Everyone loves a kid dancer. Yeah. Uh, Elwood could pull out a harmonica or something, but yeah, you don't even do, do that weird profile strut thing <laughs> him and John Goodman are doing. They just seem so stiff. It's like, he doesn't stretch before is he came this, on set. Is this his bent over walk? Yeah, yeah, it's very, yeah. Just, it's very like uh, Bill Cosby, the opening of, of the yeah, comedy show. Yeah. It's just like everybody else is dancing and it's just cuts the bill, just very stiff, just kind of, kind of moving, just from the knee down or, you know, he'll lift an elbow up. Um, oh, I, you know, we added this question uh, last week. I, I need to find a proper place to shoehorn it in here. Blues Brothers 2000, do you need to see the original movie to watch this film? I don't think you actually do need to see it. Um, I, I think you can just pop this in and go. It is surprising how little reference there is to um the original movie yeah like they really don't talk about jake that much except for i mean when the warden tells them yeah i mean it's yeah it's brief it really, yeah yeah you're yeah. not gonna miss a lot of plot by not seeing it. like they, they don't make too much reference where the story can make sense to you and if you're wondering why in the year 2000 this guy cares so much about the, the blues music they don't explain that in the original either so yeah i, I do wish they would they just tell do. me why he's getting the band back together. And yeah. Because it goes to, wait, it's not the orphanage anymore. Now it's like a, is it an orphanage again or a hospital or something? What is it? Because Buster is yeah. an orphan. Yeah, I, I don't Yeah, but it's the, she explains that the orphanage was closed out anyways. And it's got a different name, which is, which is funny too. I, I can't remember. Like the name of the orphanage is a joke in both movies. Um, yeah. Is it just like a? Yeah, I guess I don't understand why Buster is there. If not an orphanage. He, oh, so yeah, he's like to mentor him. Yeah, they bring that up. So it's like, so I was gonna ask, is it like a boys and girls club? But if he's truly a foster kid, who are his parents? Because it didn't seem like the nuns were in charge of him. Because they, you know, they make that it's been seven days. They need to call the cops because this kid's missing. Yeah, so it must have been an orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> Just a different All orphanage. confusing, yeah, yeah. This one didn't need saving, though. Nope, nope, not it. No money problems. No money problems with this one, yeah. yeah. Uh, Blues vs. 2000, uh, did we need it? No, we did not. Yeah, I, I'd be fine. The, uh, this movie can kind of go back to just simply existing. Yeah. And, uh... I mean... You know, so you know, I, I rate every movie I watch. And uh, I, I'll say that this movie did not get a high rating. But I do give it an extra point. Because the music's so good. Yeah, you know, I throughout the movie it's good, but I really truly think anyone that's even interested in watching this, if you can just get to Louisiana or Mississippi, wherever they are, 
when when Eric Erica Badu shows up. Yeah. Even though she turns them into zombies and that's weird and stupid, that musical uh, scene is really good. And and yeah. and and then the next one is just so epic. Like if you can just get to it, uh, you will. You, I think it makes it worth it. It really does. I I was struggling to get through this movie, and then I got to the end, and I was like, "Holy shit, is that Eric Clapton?" And that, you know, I, like it was just. Oh, it's right. Yeah, Clapton yeah, shows I mean, up in the band. It's just so and... cool what they did at the end. Totally worth it. And yeah, and yeah, watch the end credits. Uh, it, it's just cool. Because really, yeah, from the zombie um, Caribbean style song to the end credits. That is, it's the end of the movie. That's kind of where the movie picks yeah. up. At, at one point, when they go to the Bluegrass Festival, I put this in my notes. Um, they're on their way to the Bluegrass Festival, and it, they're at the diner where the cops, um, you know, kind of corner him. He has put shaving cream on his face to get out. Uh, there's still an hour of the movie left. I looked down. I was like, oh, well, this must be winding down, right? They, they've escaped the law. They're getting to the festival. They're going to perform at the festival. No, there's an hour after that. <laughs> I was like, wow, you, you know, because uh, I don't want to say, you know, start at the Bluegrass Festival because I, I enjoy when they play Ghost Rider in the Sky. That was a fun thing. Yeah. I almost thought they were playing Rawhide. I was like, are they just doing Rawhide again? No, they had, uh, but it's they a had to song. summon a storm and, and, and ghost yeah. horses. And, and, uh... But yeah, I agree. It's, it's once they get to Louisiana. Once, once Erica Badu shows up, because uh, then it does just kind of move. It, it's, it's that song. Then they're at the thing. The Gator, the Gator Boys play, they play, and yeah. credits. And so I guess what it's it's not all for nothing, and I think that's yeah. the big a big Jeez. positive note for this movie. It's not all for nothing. You know, you could probably YouTube it. Just just you go know, on YouTube. I was thinking about that while I watched. I'm like, I bet, yeah, you could just YouTube this cool little music scene. Yeah, um, yeah, but definitely. Oh, uh, you, you know. Um, Another question. This question, uh, it's it's a uh, it's a special. It only comes out for certain. Only that deserves a question. What? How do you rate the title of the sequel, The Blues Brothers Two Thousand? It's got to be one of the worst. On a, on a scale of, <laughs> of of two to seven point eight, it's a two. Yeah. I, I, I was hoping you take that scale to two thousand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it doesn't make it, it doesn't make any sense to the movie. You know, if if one if the movie took place in the year two thousand, I'd be like, okay, I get it. If two thousand represented uh, a uh, changing, like the millennium uh, si- signals a, a changing that maybe Elwood has the the music scene is changing and Elwood has to adapt, or he somehow brings blues into the modern times, maybe then it makes sense. But really, the year. Has nothing. It, it has this movie could have take, taken place in 1984. Yeah. They don't have cell phones in the movie. There's got that one brick phone, that one brick mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, the the title of this movie does it, it. Yeah. They don't need to call it 2000. Uh, did we need it? Uh, any any closing thoughts on uh, the Blues Brothers 2000? No, I, I feel like I made them. You know, you, you know, if you can. It's not it's not all for nothing. But yeah, you could probably catch that on YouTube. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that you know that wrap up this episode, Blues Birth 2000, you probably skip it. But you know, just send the musical numbers on, on uh on YouTube. You're not gonna say anything plot wise. There's real oh, you know, I we didn't even bring this up. This movie's listed as a as a comedy as well as a musical. And it's really no, not funny. it's it's just dumb. It's definitely yeah. more musical than it is a musical comedy. You, you know, honestly. Uh, so yeah, you're not gonna miss any jokes. You're better off getting getting on your Pandora or getting on your Spotify or Amazon Music and just like checking out a blues station. If you're at all interested in the music, just check out a blues station or something like. Or there's probably someone that's got a Blues Brothers station out there playlist. Like, you could probably do that if you're just interested in the music. Yeah, I, I just typed in uh, the blues br. So the blues brothers, the artists are on Spotify, but then there are several playlists. Uh, so you have the soundtrack, but then uh, the this is the blues brothers essential. They yeah yeah. 
you, you can go down a rabbit hole by just looking up the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And that, that could be your gateway yeah. into it. Yeah. And then that might help you appreciate the ending of that movie a little better, too. Mm. Yeah. It's a skipper. <laughs> uh, so I'll do it this week. Or, you know... Uh, how do I end this? Uh, oh, yeah. If you have thoughts on the Booze Brothers, if you are one of the people who saw the Booze Brothers, if you have thoughts on it, you can email us at dbtgpodcast.com. You can watch it and then let us know what you thought of it. Or um, leave a comment on YouTube. If you go watch us on YouTube, leave a comment. Just be like, uh, DBTG Podcast sent me here. You know, Let people know. Uh, so that'll do it for this week. We're going to be back next week with another movie, another movie, uh, which uses the year in the title. We're going to watch Blade Runner 2049, uh, which I, which I had not seen. So, uh, does it take place in the year 2049? We'll find out. Did it come out in the year 2049? Probably not like how good are the musical numbers? Oh, I hope there's so much blues. I hope we find out that Harrison Ford's character, Harrison Ford's character really is into bluegrass. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this week. We'll be back next week with Blues or Blues Brothers, uh, Blade Runner 2049. Till then, it's been Don't Be That Guy. Got a sequel and remake. 103 cars. Blues Brothers, band. I thought you guys were all in jail.